Hello, folks. Welcome to Campaigniacs, the day after the election episode. I'm Murray Mandrick, political columnist for the Regina Lear Post. And with me are two exhausted friends of mine. Arthur White Crummy from the Leader Post, Phil Tank from the Star Phoenix, just off the top. Thank you guys for the good job that you have done, not just with this stuff, but with the whole campaign. I wish people knew how tiring this was for reporters, particularly old ones like me. You children, <laughs> it's pretty easy, but uh, let's get right, right to it. Right, 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 right back at you. You're a child compared to me, Phil. Uh, <laughs> let's get right to it. Um uh, what let's play what were the biggest surprises from last night? Do you want me to start? Because I think we all know we're gonna start. Buffalo ahead, Party. Murray. Buffalo yes. Party. Yes. Four seats where there are party number two besting the NDP. Wow. Like I, I yeah, honestly I think I honestly did not see that one coming, did you, Phil? Well, you know, when when I I covered their uh the launch of their uh of their uh, campaign and, um, you know, they said then they were being very strategic and it appears to be a strategy that worked, right? They could have tried to get more candidates in every riding and, and they didn't run, I don't believe, any uh, urban or any uh, urban candidates. Uh, so I think their strategy paid off. They got attention in this election, even though they only got 3% of the vote. I mean, no one's talking about the Green Party, even though they got like 2.6 or something like that. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think that strategy MLAs. paid off. With 61 uh, candidates. I, uh, 60, actually, but. 60. They didn't run in wall shakers. Well, the concentration of successful uh, uh, Buffalo Party candidates out of uh, nowhere is is still shocking to me. But I guess the question is, how serious does uh, Scott Moe take this right now? Does he actually finally have to say something? Because I, I have found it irritant. Uh, and I've written a column about it today, how irritating I actually find it, that he will not denounce separation in this province. Even Jason Kenney has done that in Alberta, saying it's just not on. Uh, and his is always qualified with, well, uh, gee, uh, I, I hear them. I, I, I validate their concerns. I know where they're coming from. I don't know if that's appropriate anymore. Well, you know, what's interesting, Murray, is that he did say something, of course, and he said it in his, uh, in his speech last night, uh, very clearly taking uh the success of the Buffalo party in 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 those four safe SAS party seats as a signal that uh he's been on the right tack in uh going hard against Ottawa and and, and I think that this can only um vindicate him in that position and and possibly make him uh follow it even harder uh because we heard him say yesterday that that he shares many of the objectives that those uh, Buffalo Party voters uh, conveyed through supporting a pro-sovereignist party within Saskatchewan. What's your take, Phil? Like, should he go harder at them, or is, is, is he thinking it's safe to use this as a political tool, political leverage? Uh, and, like, if he does that, if he continues to do that, doesn't he annoy the hell out of somebody besides me uh, in terms of uh, of this province because uh, he's basically sending a loud message to everyone else that's not a Buffalo Party supporter, which obviously is the vast majority of people in this province. Nobody really wants to separate from Canada that I know of, and I and I, I would sure fight that notion. Uh, isn't he saying, uh, sending a strong message to them that it's okay to have this conversation? 
Well, I get, I guess, I guess if there's moderates in the Buffalo party, they would say they want to vote on separation, not necessarily separation. Yeah. But what's interesting is that the, the coalition that the SAS party has held together so successfully, you know, through, uh, four elections now is traditionally not one that lasts in Canada. We saw that with the progressive conservatives collapse spectacularly and morph into, you know, two new parties and then one new party. We saw in Alberta, United, uh, you know, the United Conservative Party bringing together the progressive conservatives and the Wild Rose Party, because when you, you know, uh, SAS Party was supposed to be a meeting of, you know, liberals and conservatives. And, um, uh, you know, at some point, either the liberals get tired of the conservative bent of the party or the liberals get tired of the conservative bent of the party and you you have growth somewhere. And mm-hmm. I'm a little surprised that it's on the right because I think most people would view the SAS Party as like, oh, they've left the center open and that maybe the liberals would uh, – would, uh, would grow, but of course we didn't yeah. see that at all. This election, their worst, their worst uh, showing in the history of the province. Uh, Less than point one percent. I believe it's yeah. zero. Yes, point zero nine percent. I so it is interesting that we're seeing we're seeing a challenge from the right yeah. for the SAS party. I have a better chance of marrying Julia Roberts right now than they do of actually forming government here. That's absolutely the, the case. Let's, let's play round two of, uh, since Phil brought up the issue of, of giant collapses. Uh, it's not really a collapse, but let's play round two of incredible surprises. And that's that the NDP could gain no ground, not just in rural Saskatchewan where no one really thought they were going to uh, gain ground, but A, they lost popular vote overall the province. They lost it in most areas. And as it stands right now, while one seat up, which is kind of good from going from nine to 10 to 11, uh, in a hundred years, they might be government. Uh, the, uh, the situation where they actually lost uh, mileage and maybe Miley uh, in a few seats <laughs> is really kind of disconcerting for what was once the national governing party in Saskatchewan. Where'd they go wrong when you were watching their campaign? I'll ask both of you, starting with Arthur. Well, well, I, I agree that it is a surprise in the sense that it did look like they had a little bit of momentum there at the end. I mean, we all know that the polls were looking bad for them early in the campaign, but we got those two last minute polls out of Main Street and, uh, and at a research code that suggested that it could be a lot tighter. If those polls had have been borne out, we would be looking at a very different night for the NDP. We would be, they would be brushing up against 20 seats right now. Instead, we don't really know where they're going to end up. There's still eight seats that we can't quite call yet, but it looks like they're going to be somewhere around where they, uh, left off at, at dissolution or lower, which is just, yeah. Got to be crushing some NDP spirits for sure. Um, why did they go? Why did it happen in Regina? And you're right; those polls were were horrible. They're like last polls of the bar. Uh, what? Where did they go wrong? They couldn't win north of Dudney. And I'll get to to fill in the Saskatoon equivalency in, in in a moment. But when you can't win in Regina in the traditional areas that you've held and there wasn't as much of a north-south split in Regina because Regina was traditionally NDP, but certainly the north was always the stronger hold for the NDP. That doesn't exist anymore. What, what's happening there? Um, it, it, it's really a, clearly their chosen their chosen issues didn't have the traction that they were hoping that it would have, you know, among some of those 
public sector workers, union voters who were well represented in a lot of those ridings. Uh, they were clearly hoping that things like SAS first, that things, the lockout, things like, uh, standing up against, uh, purported cuts that were coming down the line that would obviously, um, hurt public sector workers. Clearly they thought that those were winning messages in Regina, but it, it's, it's clear that they just didn't work as well as they thought. Now, there's one seat where they clearly had an unforced error, and that's in Walsh Acres, which should have been a winnable seat for the NDP. One of those north of Dudney seats that you just mentioned, a lot of union voters, a lot of middle class voters, um, should have been in play and could have been in play because we're seeing that the margin of victory for the SAS party is almost exactly the vote share that Sandra Morin, the ex-NDP candidate quashed for mysterious reasons, ended up taking, at yeah. least in the preliminary results. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, and uh, uh, I, I guess those that don't like the NDP and support or support Santa Mara and call it karma, but that, that that's absolutely the case. Phil, you know civic politics uh, like nobody in Saskatoon, and you certainly know the city of Saskatoon and politics there generally better than I do. What happened in Saskatoon that uh, the NDP couldn't gain at least a little ground? I'll tell you tomorrow. Well, they they may have <laughs> right. They held their they, they held their they held two of their three. Uh, you know, strongholds, which was, uh, Saskatoon Center and Saskatoon Newtown. I don't think those were ever in doubt. Uh, you know, the challenge they're having is in Riversdale where they have a new candidate and the SAS party is running Mar Friesen who ran, um, last time. They're and leading, I think, you know, obviously Miley is in. Uh, well, yeah. I was sorry to interrupt, but let's start with Riversdale because I, I need someone to explain that to me because I know Riversdale to be the seat of Roy Romno, Lauren Calvert, uh, I don't know it to the, be the seat of anybody ever losing it and, and given sort of uh, in, if they're new Democrats. And I just don't understand. Is there something changing in the uh, demographics in the riding, uh, Phil, that, that has, has made it that much more different? Or uh, what happened specifically in Riversdale before you get back to the other, other seats that you were talking about? Well, I, I'll just point out that uh, that Roy Romano did lose the uh, riding. Nineteen votes, nineteen eighty-two. Joanne Zelenchek. You will never forget. Other than that, uh, yeah, it's been. But you know, the, the uh, Danielle Chartier used to represent it for the NDP for two rides, mm-hmm. and those those uh, elections were close. She, they were not blowouts. They were not. Uh, you know, Mar Friesen ran a very close campaign, and I think they were very close to being the difference of the Liberal candidate there. So the question is, when you don't have a Liberal candidate, where do those votes go? And uh, you know, they might, they probably yeah. went to both parties. But I mean, I think I think we have to wait and see on that one because, of course, it's one of those close writings. Miley's is another one. Uh, Saskatoon Miwasan, um, uh is you know another one that's up in the air. He's trailing right now, but mail-in votes are going to uh, determine that one. Saskatoon Let me put University. You on the spot there for a second. Saskatoon. What do you what do you think is going to happen with those advanced votes? In uh, if you had to guess, like I mean, I'll give you well, my theory, but. Uh, well, my theory is I, I, you know, we've heard in the states a lot that Democratic voters vote more by mail. Like they, that's, yeah, that's, that's uh, they, they make up a bigger share of the vote mailing votes. And I just got off the phone with a, uh, an NDP um, spokesperson that said uh, basically they think the same thing that uh, they, they'd worked hard to get to make sure that people that were leery about going to the polls you know, applied for mail-in ballots. So they're, you know, I don't know that they're brimming with confidence after last night, but I do think that they think that favors them. Uh, here's my theory. Kate, remember Kate? You guys got a text from Kate? 
Yeah, I remember Kate. Kate from Heard South from her a few times. <laughs> Heard from her a few times. She's and pushy. She's a pushy <laughs> girl, I'll tell you, but, but effectively pushy because she was able to identify the vote. I'm thinking that those votes that she identified were the ones that got to the advanced poll that were kind of reminded to throw in a mail-in ballot. Is that maybe a factor, Phil, in terms of just the relative organization of the SAS party to get the vote out versus whatever difficulties the NDP had, not only in Riversdale and not only in Meemawasson, but maybe throughout the province? But do you think that, that – uh, maybe uh, the SAS party has an ace or two in their hole in the hole in, uh, when uh, these cards get played out related to the mail-in ballots? That could absolutely be. I mean, it, it's going to be hard to say it until we actually see them. I mean, you know, we, we actually see those tactics by, you know, uh, also Rob Norris, a former SAS party uh, cabinet minister who's running in uh, the mayoral co- contest here right now. He does the same thing. You get texts oh, from right. uh, and, and they're they seem to be doing a lot of social media with like, can you, can I get your support? You know, like these, these posts that have people have to weigh in and say, so yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think it's any mystery that the SAS party has a bigger election machine than the NDP does and more effective. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll uh, wait with bated breath to see what the results are tomorrow. But are there, isn't the NDP supposed to be better at that? At the social game, they're supposed to have a younger audience. Certainly that was who their platform appealed to was younger voices. And we heard a lot of younger voices on social media, uh, telling this old crank to stop writing columns and, and things like that, which, uh, you know, might be good advice. Uh, but generally speaking, shouldn't it be the NDP that are able to cap, capitalize more on not just the new technologies, but just the, the way of new way of doing things, you know, uh, um, they, they certainly sell themselves as, as being more connected to to that crowd. Well, this might be proof that uh, the uh, new technologies and buzz on social media does not translate into votes. I mean, I, I, I've certainly always felt that way, that what happens on social media is is, is only tangentially relevant to what's actually going to happen in uh, the campaign, particularly Twitter. Um, and... Uh, Clearly, ground game in the old in the old fashioned sense uh, may be the winning strategy much more than focusing on social media because as much as young people are prone to like uh, or or retweet or share, they may not be prone to turn out. Okay, before we wrap, I just want to say, let's not discount the pandemic here. You know, the NDP success, and I heard this, I heard them talking about it in the BC election as well, that the success across the country has always been tied to getting their vote out. And that may have have been more of a challenge during a pandemic. I mean, I know uh, just under half of voters uh, voted in in person so far, and we'll see how many mail-in votes come in. But, you know, the pandemic was definitely a factor in this election. I don't think anyone can deny it. Well, good. I'm glad you raised that because that was actually the next thing I was about to get to in terms of other things that we kind of came as a bit of a surprise. The pandemic obviously wasn't a surprise to us, but how it played out. And I guess the other factor that I found surprising is how absolutely empty the polls were yesterday when you went to vote versus how strong the advance polls, the mail-in ballots were. Are we seeing a new change in how we vote in Canada and Saskatchewan? I guess maybe I'll start with you, Phil. What what, what was it like in Saskatoon? Did you get a sense uh, of advanced polls versus uh, what you uh, saw at the polls? Or 
Well, I voted at an advanced poll, so I can't, oh, I can't say what the polls are like, but yeah, for the first time in my life. Um, but I, w- I will say, I don't know that you can uh, get a trend from this. I think mm-hmm. maybe people will say, you know what, I voted by mail the last, and you know, I might say something like I voted, uh, I voted in advanced polls the last time and I won't leave it until election day the next time. But I, I think it's tough to take anything from this campaign and say this is going to be a trend because, because of the pandemic. You know, there's still, yeah, there's still people that like to go to vote on election day. They like the spirit. They like, you know, putting their, their ballot in the box and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll see, but I, I, I think it's really tough to pull lessons like that from this election. So presuming, presuming this pandemic doesn't last four years, and I'm not ruling that out, uh, it, we might see something different next election. It's what you're, you're thinking or your working theory right now, Phil. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Arthur? Well, well let's you- hope so. Let's hope so, because this uh, sucked uh, most of the energy out of election night. I mean, uh, Phil and I were both at uh, HQ there in Saskatoon for the NDP and the SAS party, and it was just a bunch of reporters and staffers just uh, – typing away at uh, little fold-out tables in a hotel uh, ballroom. It was uh, it was depressing, and I really hope that we see something very different when we're all back at this in four years. Oh, I, and one of, Go ahead, Phil. And one of the few times journalists uh, actually outnumbered uh, <laughs> you know, the other people in the room. Yeah, I felt bad for Marley after that speech because it was almost like a sarcastic clap he was getting. It was, there was so to to applaud it. That's tough enough to give that particular speech on election yeah. night, let alone to an empty room. So I guess well, they we did should... the NBC thing and had uh, had you know screens with people with supporters up on it, but I'm not. It's certainly not the same. It didn't feel that way, did it? it didn't it? Didn't you didn't, didn't, didn't feel the burn, did you? Uh, yeah. I guess we have to wrap up once again. I just want to thank both of you for the job that you did uh, for the readers of this province. Uh, excellent work, guys. And I think we're going to have maybe one more. I guess we'll we'll see. I guess we need to find out because we still don't know really how this story ends, do we? We don't. And we might not know for uh, for days. The counting starts tomorrow all over again. Well, thanks very much, and uh, and we'll get to another election. You guys take care and, and good work, good work. Thanks, Maria. Thanks. Ah. Hey,